Hello and welcome to The Student Space, a podcast for students about high school, life after school, and how to actually be an adult. This episode, I chat with Naomi, who is near the end of a double degree at La Trobe. She's studying a Bachelor of Arts and Bachelor of Health Science, with her majors being Public Health and International Development. There is so much insight in this episode as we unpack all about first year uni, making friends and settling in. We talk about scholarships at university and how she traveled for free twice at university. We also touch on getting involved in clubs and societies to make your uni experience just a little bit better. Enjoy. Before we jump into the chat, I want to respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording this podcast and pay my respects to the elders past and present of the Rwandri people of the Kulon Nations. Hello, Naomi. Welcome. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast and talk about your high school and uni experience. But before we get into the chat, I want to start off with three before the degree. So I'm going to ask you three random questions um, and just answer with the first thing that comes to mind. So are you an early riser or do you stay up late? I'm a stay up late. What? Definitely. <laughs> I get my best work done when I'm under time pressure. <laughs> so I'm always up studying late. <laughs> oh my God, terrible. Look, to be honest, I'm the absolute opposite. I'll set my alarm at five if I have something due or if there's like an exam that day and just do a massive cram session. No way, I'll work till one. <laughs> um, music or podcasts? Usually podcasts because I like to sort of like passively consume information sometimes. But if I kind of want more of a relaxed time, then I'll listen to music. So if you're driving to uni. Podcast. What, yeah. And what podcast do you usually listen to? I listen to a few. I've been like getting into money podcasts at the moment. So She's on the money? Yes, I yeah. love She's on the money. <laughs> I've been binging that. And I also love Hamish and Andy. So I love that podcast too. Yeah, that's, Hamish and Andy. that's one that you can just have on in the background yes. while you're, say, like cleaning up, doing whatever. Yeah, I do my housework to it. <laughs> love it. And are you a spender or a saver? Definitely a saver. I have big goals, so I'm definitely saving my money at the moment. And is this from the money podcast we've been listening yeah, to? Yeah, I've been trying to do that, but sometimes it's hard, oh, <laughs> even though it's been easier in COVID because I haven't really had anything to spend money on. I know. And now that things are starting to open up, it's like hard because it's like, oh, let's go out for dinner here. Let's do yeah, this. Exactly. Oh. I don't mind spending money because I'm like, oh, I haven't spent any money in like eight months. It's fine. I can go spend $100. And I'm like, oh, but should I? <laughs> exactly. So you're currently in your second last semester studying a Bachelor of Arts and a Bachelor of Health Science. But before we unpack the whole uni experience, let's talk about your high school. Where did you go to school? What subjects did you take? Yeah, absolutely. So I went to Eltham College um, and I had the best high school experience. I really found a group of friends that I loved. Um, they're still my best friends today. Um, I really enjoyed the subjects that I took and I really tried to commit myself to my high school as well. I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do um, when I left high school. So I was trying to keep my options open by trying to do really well in school and kind of trying to source those extracurricular activities as well. So I did two year 12 subjects when I was in year 11, which was great. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, that was kind of a tr tricky experience, but I really enjoyed it because it gave me the opportunity to kind of work out um, how year 12 all worked and get a bit of a head start. I really enjoyed um, actually learning how to study for a whole year. I don't feel like there's many other times in your life where you have to learn how to study for one exam in a whole year. So um, I kind of liked getting that head start in year 11. And then um, in year 12, um, I did a few less subjects, but I was also a school captain. So that kind of took up a bit of extra time. Um, my two favorite subjects were health and psychology, and I just loved them. I did really well in them. And that kind of helped me kind of figure out what I might like to do in uni as well. 
So I'm very grateful for that. And I also kept a lot of uh, kind of co-curricular and outside school activities while I was in high school as well. And that was kind of a nice um, kind of break from the study and also good things to put on your resume when you're applying for things when you finish school. Definitely. I just want to ask you a few things. So what subjects did you do in year 11? So I did in year 11 health and psych and they were my two favourite subjects. (laughs) Maybe because I committed my whole year to them pretty much and I just loved them. But then also in year 12 I did like bio and PE. So they kind of built on that knowledge that I had from health and psych anyway. Um, But, yeah, those two were definitely the ones that I clicked with the most. And about your co-curricular, what did you do, volunteering, sport? What yeah, was it? absolutely. So um, I think I mentioned before that I was school captain. So that yep. was kind of my biggest um, co-curricular commitment that I had um, during year 12. But um, I also um, volunteered when I was in year 12. I um, was competing in um, sports aerobics when I was in year 12 as well, um, which was kind of like my release from school, kept me really fit and active, kind of helped my study in um, giving me that time off and then coming back and being able to concentrate a bit better. Um, I danced when I was in year 12 as well. So that kind of contributed to that kind of flexibility and that um, ability to study and concentrate really well when I actually came to doing my study. Um, And yeah, I did a few other bits and pieces. I was also coaching sports aerobics, volunteering when I was in year 12, um, which was fun as well, kind of built on that, um, my experience as an athlete and then kind of translating what I loved into a coach to younger students as well. That's awesome. And to be honest, even myself, I was the exact same. You're not going to get through year 12 if you're just studying. And I know this year with COVID, that's probably the only thing students have been able to do. But to have that mix, it's a lifesaver. It really is. Yeah, it was. But what inspired you to do your course at university? Yeah, so this is a tricky one. I always saw myself as that person that didn't really know what they wanted to do. So when I was in year 12, people would ask me, oh, what are you going to do? I was like, I don't really know what I want to do. I knew that I loved sort of health and psych and bio because they were the kind of subjects that I loved in high school. But I didn't really want to become like a doctor or a nurse or a clinician because I'm a bit squeamish, don't really do well with that sort of stuff. So I was like, I know I don't really want to be like a clinician or somebody who works one-on-one with patients. But I was really passionate sort of about human rights and justice and in health we studied a lot about international aid and that kind of really took um, my fancy in that as well. And so I started looking more into what other jobs in there in health that is not like a nurse or a doctor or a physio or an OT or something like that because I knew that kind of wasn't for me. Um, so I was kind of went on a bit of a exploration of what other jobs there are in health and that's when I came across public health, which is kind of um, what I'm studying now and what really took my interest. Um, so I guess it was really just about kind of not really knowing what I wanted but knowing I had an interest and identifying that interest and then building from that interest and thinking more about the long term of, okay, if I study something, what kind of jobs will come out of that course? What kind of things might I be able to do with that degree? And then seeing if those aligned with what I was interested in at that stage. Definitely. Especially what you said with the interest, go with your gut. What do you like? And then, well, actually maybe start with what you don't like. Mm. That's a great way to do it too. Especially if you um, don't really know what you like, um, then identifying what you don't like brings that scope in a little bit. 
Definitely. Now, did you see any careers counsellors or like, of course, every school has like a careers counsellor or open days. Did you go through all that process? Yeah, definitely. So um, for anybody that's listening that's sort of in that year 11 or 12, if you do have the opportunity to go to some open days, it's one of the best ways that you can um, get an idea of what you're going to love about that uni and what you might not. For example, um, I went to a few unis where um, they offered the kind of course I was looking at. This was kind of when I was in year 12 and narrowing down my options a little bit more. And once you step foot on the campus, which I know some of you might not have had the chance to do yet this year, which is um, such a shame, but if you do get the opportunity to go to the campus and stand on it and see the surroundings and talk to the staff and talk to other students, it really quickly gives you an idea about what that university offers and what they're about and if you could see yourself as a student there. So um, obviously public health and health science courses are offered at a lot of unis. Um, So when I kind of came to that decision, it was time to narrow down where I was going to go. And one way I really found that was a great way to do do that is by going to the uni and seeing what it was all about. Some unis I went to, I thought I was going to like. And as soon as I was there, I was like, nah, don't like this. Spoke to some students in the course. I didn't really like what they had to say about it or it didn't align with what I enjoyed. A few of the courses had like a really big focus on like anatomy and physiology. And I knew I didn't really like that more biology side of health that I preferred the preventative kind of social side of health rather than the biology side of health. So I really quickly knew that I wouldn't enjoy those courses and the subjects I had to do in those courses. Um, Whereas other unis I went to felt really progressive and I felt like I clicked there and I felt like there were other opportunities for me to um, excel there rather than other unis I'd looked at. So yeah, I definitely went through that whole process of going to the open days. And I feel like that was a really great way to um, identify what courses I should look into further and what unis I should look to further and kind of eliminate those ones that didn't really align with my own values or my own interests. And then kind of going back to my careers counsellor, she was great in helping me narrow those things down. Um, She was also good in kind of like identifying other opportunities. I had only really considered studying in Melbourne, but she was sort of like, why don't you look at other unis and see what they offer, um, you know, in different states and stuff like that. So she was really great in kind of helping me expand that horizon a little bit, even though it kind of seemed a bit daunting and I knew I didn't really want to move. Um, Some unis do offer things that are really different that you can't get in Melbourne. So um, if that's you and you're in that situation where you think another uni might suit you better people move for unis all the time it's not it's not really a big deal in the scheme of studying and working and living your life so um I've got lots of friends that went on and moved interstate so she was really great in helping me obviously I didn't decide to do that but it was good to look into it as well definitely it's funny because everyone in America they move every to any state for uni it's just the norm that they finish school and they're they're anywhere and anywhere but for us it's like I almost like we're in this bubble that's like we have to be well it's easier to be close to home whatever in the same state but don't be afraid to look in other states even if it's not really on your radar just check it out because you never know and honestly one of the best ways you can work out apart from actually going to the campus but one of the best ways you can work out about what a university is like is jumping on their website just doing like set yourself a 30 minute timer and just scroll through their website and look at the courses open different tabs see what volunteering opportunities they have see what societies and clubs they offer see if they um, do any overseas travel or if you know you want to travel somewhere in the next few years see if they offer travel to that area or to that country or that region Um, it can definitely be a great way to go about doing uni especially if 
something that you want is not offered or not offered well here. You know, a lot of unis try to offer different courses, but they might not necessarily be super well known for that course. Um, whereas there might be another uni that's very well known for putting out the best professionals in that in that sort of study area that you're looking at. And there's no reason why you can't go be part of that just because it's in a different state. Absolutely. And for your course, did you need any prerequisite subjects? Yeah, so I only needed English. Yep. So I definitely had to and that's a lot of courses you'll figure have have English. Sometimes different levels, some might require a thirty-five or a thirty or a twenty-five, some are even a twenty. Um I think mine was only a twenty-five. So cool. um I wasn't too worried about doing that, about meeting that because I was sort of doing well in English. Yep. Um but I know a lot of my friends had other prerequisites that can be really tricky to meet. But I think that's the great thing about um exploring now what what kind of courses you're into, even when you're in year 11, kind of looking at what areas you're into. Because if you are looking at something like engineering or science, then there's probably a pretty high chance that you will need a certain level of maths or that you will need certain subjects. So um, I feel like picking um, kind of the area you're interested in or looking into different areas will help you decide those prerequisites as well. But for me, only English. Um, I also did methods in year 12 just because I wasn't 100% sure. I feel like a lot of students do that. They do methods in year 12 just in case. Just to have options open. Yeah, but I actually feel like a lot less courses need methods than what I thought. So had I had done a bit more research, I probably could have just done further and I probably would have been a lot happier. Less stressed. Less stressed <laughs> if I didn't do methods. Definitely. Definitely wasn't my favourite or my best subject, um, but just tried to keep those options open a little bit, which is a good way to go about it if you're definitely considering like engineering or science or at that stage I was still looking into like science and health, possibly psychology and a lot of psychology courses need methods. So I was sort of keeping those options open. I feel like a lot of kids do that. But if you don't need to and you already know that you want to study, you know, in arts or humanities, you're probably not going to need methods anyway. Exactly. Don't you don't need to stress yourself out for no reason. So your first option was it this degree? Yes, it was okay. this degree, which was which was really exciting for me. It's not a particularly high ATAR course, so um, I, I knew as soon as I got my ATAR that I would probably get in. Um, but I did have other courses on my list that were um, a bit higher in ATAR and I was sort of moving them around before um, I, I went in. Um, but I got offered a scholarship for La Trobe, which was really exciting and um, my values really aligned with them. I felt like there were some great opportunities there. Um, they really offered that unique combination that I wanted public health and international development there's not many two there's not too many unis that offer that kind of combination um so I knew once I submitted my change of preference closed and I had my VTAC list all done um that I was going to be really happy if I got that first preference that's awesome and had you not gotten it did you have a backup option and what was it yes I did have a backup option it was another course at La Trobe so um it was just a single degree rather than how I studied the double so Mm -hmm. that was kind of um a strategic backup option for me so should I no, I've gotten into that double degree course, which has a little bit of a higher ATAR. Um, the public, uh, the health science course can be used by itself to transfer into the double degree. So um, had I still wanted to go into the double, I could have done six months or one year of study in the single degree and then transferred to pick up that second degree as well. So that was kind of a strategic move, but I actually filled all the preferences on my preference list, even though I knew I'd probably get like my first or my second, or if not my third, yep. um, just based on how, because I had a 
already done two year 11 subjects and I'd done pretty well in them. And I kind of knew that I, I wouldn't get sort of below a certain ATAR based on um, how well I had been doing in my sacks and stuff like that. So um, I definitely knew that I would probably get my first, second, third or fourth preference. But um, the advice of my careers counsellor was to always fill up all the preferences. Your parents or you have paid the VTAC fee. There's a fee for VTAC that you have to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you pay for all those preferences. You might as well fill them up, even if you end up putting a TAFE course on the bottom or you end up putting another course at the same uni just in case. It's honestly worth filling all of them up because you never quite know what's going to happen. You never know how your exams are going to go. You never know how well everybody else did in the subject. You never know if your study score is going to be way below or way above what you thought it was going to be. I'm sure everybody at some point has done a little ATAR calculator. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I feel like... I recommend against it. Everyone's done it. (laughs) I feel like you do more and more ATAR calculations closer you are to the exam or you just come out of your exam you're like, oh, like that multi-choice for the maths did not go well and then you go and you put it like, okay 25 yeah, or, yeah, exactly. or 20 and then you try to calculate yeah exactly I feel like a lot of students do that um they play around with the ATAR calculator but at the end of the day you can't control it you can only do your best every year is different you know based on the exam some kids um there might be a high proportion that do really well or a lower proportion that don't um so you can never really guess it you never 100% know um you know if you get really sick for your exams or um something happens in your family you just never know so it's worth filling all those preferences up they're there anyway it's not really any extra hassle to just look up a few extra courses and pop them down the bottom just in case um definitely great advice that my careers counselor gave me 100 percent. and had you ever considered taking a gap year yes i did because i felt burnt out after my year 12 i felt exhausted i spent you know, a whole year studying really hard, managing all my extracurricular activities, still trying to do well at school, trying to plan for the following year. I was really burnt out and quite a few of my friends took gap years and I thought, oh, how awesome would it be to take gap years with my friends? Um, But I think something about gap years is you have to be really cautious of them. I think I saw a lot of people in my year level do gap years and some of them did them really well and some of them really didn't do them well. And I think to do them well, you have to have a really clear plan of what you're going to do with your year. Um, you know, I had a friend who took a gap year and she became really um, mentally ill in that year because there was so much anxiety about seeing her friends move on to uni and she lost a lot of her friends who went on to uni and she was working a job that she didn't really like and she wanted to travel, but she didn't want to travel by herself. She couldn't find anybody else to travel with. It's hard. Yeah, it's really hard. And I feel like, so I feel like gap years can really be a great way to make have a break and to make new friends and to, you know, have a, have a, have a chill and work if you want to work or travel if you want to travel. Um, but for me, I, that kind of break between finishing my exams and not starting uni till March was a really satisfying break. And I really only worked a few days a week and then spent heaps of time down at the beach with my family, catching up with my friends. So I felt kind of renewed once March came around I was ready to kind of start again I didn't have a clear plan of what I would do with a gap year so I didn't want to take it just for the point of taking it and kind of miss the boat starting uni so I did end up going straight in and something in hindsight that was really great about going straight in was that kind of wanted to take a gap year so I could travel but I actually ended up traveling with my uni anyway I was just gonna say (laughs) this as well like so many even if you're traveling for your course or not for your course, by the way, you're studying for 12 weeks and maybe like an extra two weeks of exams yeah. twice a year. So yeah. let's just say that's like 24, 25, 26 weeks, yeah. right? 
There's 52 weeks in the year. So the rest of those weeks you can travel, you can do whatever. You don't yeah. have any study commitments unless, yeah. like, you've got work commitments. Mm. So, look, I'm not saying a gap year is bad. Like, you can have an amazing time, gain mm. such great experiences, but yeah. you can travel so well during, at like, at uni as well. Yeah. And also you can get paid to go overseas for free at uni. So when, well, I'm sure we'll talk about travel a bit later, but when I travelled, I travelled heaps of the time on scholarships or for free. So (gasps) rather than paying 25 grand to go on a Europe holiday, I went and I did travel getting paid to do it for free. So that's the best way to go about it. Oh, I cannot wait to talk (laughs) about this. Oh, I wish I had signed up for something like this when I was in uni. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Yeah, so I think the gap year serves its purpose for some people and if you do really feel burnt out from year 12 and you have a good plan of what you want to do. One of my friends had a really strict plan. She worked for four months full-time and she had a job lined up for when she finished year 12 and she was never free because she was working all the time, saving heaps and heaps of money. She saved like 10 grand and then she went on a four-month America trip and she had the best time. She was in a deferred course. So she came back and then she picked that course straight back up and went in like, off you go. And that was a great way to do a gap year because she she worked, so she made money, she spent it travelling and then she had the back pocket option when she knew she came back to that secured degree. So um, I also think for people taking gap years, it's really important to still go through the VTAC process. I know Just in case. Just in case. Yep. And also pretty much all degrees. I mean, there's very limited amount of degrees that don't allow deferral. So you'll be able to defer for six or 12 months for most degrees. So it's really great to go through the VTAP process to um, get into a course and then to just defer it for a year. I mean, there's no harm. You don't have to pay extra to defer. Um, Just defer it for a year, enjoy yourself. And then, you know, you can come back to it with no hassles the following year. Exactly right. Now let's chat about the first day of uni or maybe let's talk about the first year in general. What was the transition like from high school to being a uni student? Now we can talk about anything from like getting to and from uni, about the workload, making friends. What was your experience like? Yeah, so my experience was um, definitely I feel like what a lot of students experience is. I was super nervous. I didn't, I mean, I went to La Trobe with a few other people from my school who were going to La Trobe, but they weren't studying in the same course as me or they weren't even really studying in the same faculty or school as what I was in. So it's not like I was going to see them in classes or anything like that. I was 100% in the boat where I knew I needed to make new friends and that I knew I would probably know anybody else. I wouldn't know anybody else there, but... I think the great thing about that transition to uni is that everybody's in the same boat. All the students in their first year are in their first year. They've not studied before or they might have studied before, but they're kind of fresh into that course. They're coming in with a fresh perspective. A lot of them also won't have friends like you didn't come to the course with any friends. They obviously won't come to the course with many friends either. So um, everybody's on the same playing field. And my experience of that was that sometimes you just need to go into a lecture and sit right next to somebody. Not Don't leave one chair or two chairs or three chairs between you. Walk in, see somebody. If you've never met them before, go sit straight next to them, in the chair next to them and say, hi, I'm Naomi. I'm in my first year. I'm studying this course. Why are you in this subject? What are you studying? Usually they'll only be five or 10 minutes before the lecture actually starts. So if it's a really awkward conversation and it doesn't go well, you just have to sit next to them in silence while the lecturer talks and then say, have a good day and get up and leave at the end of it. And you'll probably not see them for another week or if not ever again. Ever again, <laughs> so, exactly. So you're not losing anything. That's how I made some of my best uni friends is just by sitting next to somebody in class. Don't don't go to a table in class and sit 
as far away from somebody else as you can on the table, go and sit in one of the chairs next to them and just introduce yourself. You know, the classes are led by teachers. So you're not just going to be sitting there for an hour having to make conversation with somebody. Um, I feel like that was one of the best transition tips that was given to me when I transferred to or when I started uni at La Trobe was that everybody's in the same boat. You make it awkward if you go and sit a few chairs away from somebody and you make it harder for yourself to be less awkward if you then if you just commit to it. Like if you just go to them and sit next to them and say hi and introduce yourself, you'll find something in common at some point, even if it's not super interesting or not something that inspires you or that you enjoy talking about. You'll find something that's similar and you'll you'll go from there. Absolutely. Like just by you like recounting that story, I'm thinking back to my first week or first day at uni and you know what? Everyone is awkward and it's all okay. Yeah, exactly. So it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Everyone is awkward and it's honestly just an awkward experience for the first few weeks. But I also feel like you're going to be in the same subject with this, probably the same people for 12 weeks or so during the semester. And I feel like if you don't find a few friends or some people you feel a bit in common with within the first few weeks, you kind of miss that boat to make friends in that subject. So if you spend the first two weeks being really, really shy and sitting all by yourself and not talking to anybody, everybody else around you is going to start talking to each other and you're just going to miss out on finding a group in that class that you really love or finding a person in that class that you get along with really well. The best way to be is that to acknowledge that it is awkward and that you're in a situation that is a bit uncomfortable and to just spend the first few weeks moving around the class and talking to different people until you find someone you click with. And then you have a good friend for the next 12 weeks or maybe even for the next three years. <laughs> exactly. You're so right. So with the Bachelor of Arts and Bachelor of Health Science and the health science was public health and international development, mm-hmm. how closely did any of the subjects you did in school relate to what you had studied in uni now? In my first year, I kind of felt like they were quite similar because I had done subjects that interest me in school and that kind of helped me line up what I was going to enjoy at uni. I feel like that there was quite a bit of an overlap, especially in my first semester. You know, I took subjects where it kind of covered similar content as health or similar content as PE in my first year. I had to do an anatomy subject and that was a bit like similar to what I'd done in PE and in biology, which is kind of reassuring because you um, spend time and you're like, oh yeah, you know, I remember I learned that, but it kind of just builds on your knowledge a little bit more. So rather than just knowing which way the knee goes you know how the knee works or instead of just understanding the structure of the heart you understand like different heart conditions and what that means for the structure of the heart so it's kind of like extends on what you already know which is um kind of a little bit comforting knowing that you're going into something where you understand which I definitely felt like was in my course but at the same time I think if you've done subjects in year 12 that are perhaps different to what you're going to go into at uni, then you might have a bit of a different um, experience if you maybe don't know as much about that study area as what you studied in year 12, you might not have that overlap. But for me, definitely in my public health subjects, I had that overlap from health. Public health is all about community health and population health. Um, And I had done a lot of that in my year 12 health course. So um, I kind of feel like those subjects I aced and did really well. And then a few other subjects were completely different. And that was nice as well to kind of learn new things and be a little bit more out of my depth um, and kind of experience a different side that um, you don't have the time to learn in year 12 because, you know, year 12 is only one year. You can't learn everything to do with biology in one year or health in one year. So I kind of feel like they, it was a nice balance of extending on what I already knew and bringing in completely new content as well. Yeah. 
Cool. And you mentioned you got a scholarship for your course. How did that work? And did you know that before you'd started or did you have to apply? So I had to apply. Um, it was through my school at that point. So um, I applied through my school and then my school picked like four or five students that they thought were eligible and competitive for the scholarship. And then they recommended us onto La Trobe. And then we got contacted by La Trobe and asked to put in another application. So this was kind of like um, end of December, start of January, as the sort of offers were getting finalised and coming out. Yeah. And then um, when I started in my course, when I got my offer, it was like the 14th of December or something, or the 14th of January, sorry, when um, when the offers came out, I um, I then found out that I had gotten an offer into the course. And then the next day I found out that I had gotten a scholarship for that course. So that was really great. And uh, I was so excited the next day um, since the scholarship has given me so many awesome opportunities. Um, but yeah, kind of uh, every uni and every scholarship is a bit different. Some of them you can apply through VTAC. So if you're going through VTAC now, there's some scholarships that you can apply for through VTAC. There's other ones that you can apply directly to your uni for and also talk to your careers counsellor because there might be some that are going through your school as well. The scholarship, is it financial? Is it what what type of scholarship is it? So the scholarship that I got for La Trobe was the Vice Chancellor's Excellent Scholarship. And that kind of has two components. So one is a financial um, contribution. So um, each semester I would be given funds um, and I could choose how I wanted to use those funds. So um, usually they recommend that you could put them towards your HEX debt. So instead of having to pay my degree at the end of when I start working, I can pay for it more upfront. So I'll never have that debt hanging over me. But I decided that instead of using that money for my hex debt that I would keep that money and that I would use it to invest and build sort of my own portfolio rather than kind of putting it on a hex. That was a bit of a strategic choice thanks to my dad (laughs) on that behalf because um, for those who don't know, a hex debt is pretty much interest-free. So um, you only start paying it back once you earn over a certain amount of money. So once you've graduated, I think the threshold is about $44,000 yep. a year or something like that. Um, and then you start having to pay back your hex debt through your tax. Um, and it never gets really any bigger than what it is when you finish uni. So it's kind of um, what she's on the money would refer to I as know. good debt <laughs> yeah. um, because it's building new, um, building your capabilities, it's building um, your career opportunities and it's not something that's going to accumulate to be more over time. In fact, if you die with a hex debt, you don't even have to pay it. It's fine. So it's fine. It if dies you with it you. Yeah, it's exactly. all good. It's fine if you pay it off for a long period of time. So I kind of decided that I'll keep that money and I've been saving it um, in a high interest account at the moment. And then hopefully in the next few years, I'll invest it in some property or something like that um, to kind of help me build my financial capabilities a little bit more. So that was kind of the monetary side of my scholarship. And then also the other side of my scholarship was kind of like a side for opportunities. So um, I got entry into what Latrobe called the Hallmark Program, which is kind of like a program for um, scholarship holders across different types of scholarships um and through the hallmark program they offer a whole range of opportunities like you know from um overseas travel opportunities which again i'm sure we'll talk about later and um you know opportunities to go to professional networking events um opportunities to take up internships opportunities to meet with other students i even had the opportunity to meet with the vice chancellor of latrobe wow Um, pretty cool yeah that was pretty cool um i had the opportunity to um this year the 
Academy ran like a mock interview. So they got industry professionals who um, do hiring at their firms or at their um, organisations to come in and run like mock interviews. And we got to select who we wanted to be interviewed by. Um, And then we prepared and and we got to try our skills in a job interview, um, which doesn't really seem like a lot, but most other students don't get access to those sort of things. And they make a huge difference. Like I came out with like a massive four page or five page book full of notes of how I could have improved myself in my interview or what I could have said or what I could have written to make myself more competitive for that job that I was applying for, you know, hypothetically. Um, And then when I went for an actual interview, um, you probably smashed it. Yeah, yeah, I felt so much more prepared and I didn't have so much anxiety or stress about what it would be like because I had sort of already done it once before. So, um, you know, it's not always about the financial um, contributions that you get, although they are lovely. Of um, course. It's also about the opportunities because at the end of the day, you can't write on your resume that you earned how many thousands of dollars from a scholarship. No. You can write things like you had the opportunity to travel overseas or you had the opportunity to an internship yep. or you had the opportunity to do an exchange or meet an industry partner or whatever it is that you had the opportunity for. Those things sometimes build your capacity more than a financial contribution as well. So, you know, there are a lot of scholarships out there that are only um, you know that knowledge base and sometimes they can be really great even though you don't get any money out of them for pursuing your own career or your own interests as well definitely definitely now your course double degree can you take us through the structure did it say start off easy in first year and then build up it might be hard because I know you have two separate I'd say faculties mm-hmm. um, how did it work and on top of that, were there any subjects that were, say, fun or, like, cool electives that you could do? Yeah, definitely. So um, a massive myth bust on double degrees, they're not harder than single degrees. <laughs> Thank so, you for saying that. Yeah. Thank you. So I feel like a lot of people think that double degrees are harder, um, which in some ways they may be, but you don't do any more subjects than a single degree student. So single degree students do usually a full-time load of four subjects per semester, so eight subjects throughout a year Um, and in a double degree I don't do double the amount of subjects (laughs) which is a question somebody asked me the other day I only do eight subjects so I still do the same amount of subjects I think the biggest difference in a double degree is because you are combining two degrees together in a shorter amount of time than it would take to do those degrees separately yep you have less choice so usually in a single degree there's quite a few electives so you'll do like a major and then you'll have like you know um, one elective per semester that you get to choose whatever you might be to choose a business subject or a health subject African drumming or choir honestly you you would be like shocked of how many different variety and breadth of subjects you could choose it could be like sport coaching or painting and art or Mm -hmm. anything anything yeah exactly so um, I feel like the only difference with a double degree is because you are completing both of those degrees obviously there's certain requirements that you need to meet to be able to say that you have done those degrees and a big part of that is the core subjects so the core subjects um, usually increase in a double degree and you have less elective subjects because more of those electives are filled with the core subjects yeah um so for me, it wasn't really much more work. It was just that I got a little bit less choice. 
throughout my degree. So I had a little bit more um, structure, um, which I kind of enjoyed um, because I kind of felt like I was a little bit more on track rather than taking a lot of random subjects here and there. I feel like all my subjects kind of contribute to my broader They would have linked well together. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, And I think the other thing to know when you do a double degree is that you usually get to choose majors in a double degree. So um, like we mentioned before, I do two degrees, the Bachelor of Health Science and the Bachelor of Arts. So that's my double degree. And under arts, I got to choose one of 32 majors. So there's 32 majors in the Bachelor of Arts and I got to choose one. So what was um, that? International. That was international development. Yeah. So that was kind of a a good way to um, do a degree where you still get that flexibility of choice because, you know, in arts you can study history or language or sociology or politics, you know, there's so much choice and and I knew that I really wanted to study international development and that was one way that I could do it. So that's how my major worked under the arts. Yep. And then under health science was a similar thing. I think there's four or five different majors, you know, you can study nutrition or physiology or rehab counselling or sports science, um, but I knew I wanted to do public health. So while you don't have as much flexibility in the subjects, you still get flexibility in the majors as of well. Of course. So um, it's, not, it's not too grounded until you choose those majors and then your subjects come of fall into place a little bit more but as far as the structure goes um I guess it depends each semester changes a little bit but I'm usually on campus for around 10 to 15 hours a week um so that includes more of the face-to-face time I guess something I love about La Trobe is that um all their courses are offered in a blended mode so that blend includes online study so every week I'd have like maybe four hours or five hours per subject of like watching to, watching lectures or reading or watching videos or listening to a podcast or completing a worksheet or like an online quiz or something like that. And then I have, you know, two to three hours of face-to-face um, kind of work that might be in the form of like a workshop or a seminar or a tutorial, um, something like that. And what I loved about that is I didn't feel like I was wasting time traveling to uni to watch something that I could watch online. Like yep. I wasn't getting anything more out of it than what I'd get when I was online. And for me, just driving in there was a waste of time. Driving back was a waste of time and money and petrol and all that sort of stuff, yep. you know. So I really loved that I could do those parts of it online. And then when I did come to more the um, practical work, that I went to campus for, I felt like it was really valuable because it wasn't the teacher talking at us. That was when we got to collaborate with our peers and we got to talk with them and learn about them and, um, you know, throw around ideas about the work we had done online. So that's kind of how my course worked in that blended mode. Um, and I did get the opportunity to choose some fun electives. I used a few of my electives to travel overseas. So I actually got credit on my degree for some of the travel that I did. Um, I did a wine making subject in my oh, first year. Oh, tell me which more. Was fun. Um, so they did like, um, it was at like a different campus at Latrobe. So it was actually around the Epping area. Yep. And um, we learned about like all different kinds of wine making and beer making. And we used to get. Sign beer. me up. <laughs> Look, I had to get a lot of lifts because I wasn't allowed to drive, obviously. Drive home. <laughs> That's so So, funny. But that was, I mean, that was kind of just a silly subject that I kind of enjoyed and I look back on and I felt like it was kind of fun and something a little bit different that was perhaps a bit lighter than all Exactly. Then like an anatomy subject from 9 to 10 and then 11 to 12 you've got (laughs) winemaking. It's a really great mix. (laughs) Exactly. That's what it was like. I would leave uni at at Bandura at La Trobe and then drive over to Epping (laughs) and it was just a complete change of vibes. (laughs) The teachers were a bit... 
you know, a bit fluid and yep. fun and then back to my anatomy, you know, learning about the bones and the muscles yep, yep. straight down the line. But, oh. yeah, that subject was really fun. Um, and at La Trobe they offer a lot of things like that. You know, one of my friends just did a really awesome subject that was, like, an on-country Indigenous subject. So she got to travel up to, like, the Shepparton region and they organised, like, a two-week intensive subject um, that learned all about the Yorta Yorta culture up there and she had the opportunity to, like, meet and learn from elders and learn some of the language and things like that. So if you're after something a little bit more wholesome <laughs> than wine Then wine tasting, <laughs> yeah, of course. Then um, there's heaps of subjects kind of like that. Um, as well, which kind of provide that um, nice support. I mean, you can't do, for me, four and a half years of only public health and international development subjects. There's just not that much to teach that doesn't require any industry experience because, you know, a lot of students in their undergrad, they don't have that industry experience and you kind of need that industry experience to to propel yourself at a certain point. So you can't really learn for four and a half years about all the different frameworks and the models and the funding schemes and, you know, all that stuff is super important, but you kind of get to a point where you know all that and then you have to go off and put it into practice to learn more. Sorry, I feel like those buffer subjects kind of critically challenge your views in different ways or pull you more one way on an issue than another and that kind of what makes you um, a little bit more of a holistic professional rather than you know just somebody who can you know think about the textbook just regurgitate the frameworks yeah it's not like that in the real life you're not going to be expected to do that 100% Now, I'm so excited to talk about this because now I want to move on from the academic side. Let's talk about the other uni experiences because what students in year 12 or year 11 might not realise is that uni is like this whole culture. There's so much more moving parts than just going to class and then going home. So you're involved in the Latrobe Public Health Students Association. What is that? Now, I know that's a club, but for students who are listening, they may have no idea what a uni club yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't really either. It's not something I really thought about when I was in year 12, but it became a much more important part of my university once I got there. Um, so a club or a society is um, a group that's run by students usually, and it's run for students. So at La Trobe, there are like over 120 different clubs and societies. So if you're interested in Harry Potter, there's a Harry Potter club. If you're interested in chocolate, there's a chocolate appreciation oh and there's like um like italian association the greek association yep that's it there's you know the african association they put on like awesome african dances at lunchtime and you know there's a massive range of different clubs oh and sport clubs yeah so like cheerleading as well yeah Um, basketball teams touch rugby yeah yeah there's all that type of stuff and they really provide another way for you to get involved with the university life you know i feel like when we were talking about America before, they're so connected to their university and they do so many amazing things when they're at university. And I feel like in Australia, we sort of lose that a little bit, especially with all the studying online and all of the kind of, you know, just do my subjects and then I'm done sort of thing. It's also about who you come out as a person from your degree as well, not only what you know, but also who you are. And those kind of subjects, I feel like, those extracurricular things, those clubs and societies give you a way to also find your own identity a little bit as well um, and make awesome friends. So, yeah, like you said, I'm the president of the Latrobe Public Health Students Association. So um, we're what we call like a faculty association. So rather than like a sports club or one of the fun associations, we're linked to our faculty. So um, 
we're a club that runs kind of two important activities. Our first one is that we promote the health and well-being of all our students, staff, um, partners on the campus at La Trobe um, and within the wider community. So that's kind of one uh, of our missions. And then our other mission is to um, work with public health students to um, improve their knowledge about our faculty, to improve their knowledge about um, careers, to um, help them network and things like that. So um, every year we run five or six, sometimes more different events throughout the year um, that help to meet those two missions. So um, just recently last week, we ran uh, our first ever webinar, which was really... Oh, yes, in times of COVID, everything's online. Yeah, it was all online, which is very different because we're usually a club that do a lot of things face-to-face. Um, so that was really exciting. We had like 50 or 60 different participants that came along um, and we heard from alumni in public health. We heard from students who were doing their honours and their masters all about like kind of research so if students were interested like kind of I'm in the crossroad now of deciding if I go on to do further kind of study or research or if I go into practice um it was really great to hear from different people who are doing their research and what they enjoyed of it and things like that so um yeah that's kind of my role in the PHSA or Public Health Students Association um and it's honestly been the best experience of my uni degree so far I felt like um not only has it really expanded my networks like you know now me and the head of public health at La Trobe uh, catch up every week and she knows my name and she knows what I'm interested in. She helped me find a really amazing placement. Um, I'll have her as a connection for the rest of my career and um, that's just something that they don't know about until you put yourself in a position where um, you can build those networks. So, um, you know, we had the head of the... um, the public health body for Australia. So there's like a public health body for Australia and the head of that came and spoke at our webinar. And so now she knows who I am. So um, when I send an email to her, she'll always remember that which she spoke at that event for me. And um, I'm sure if I like asked her if there was any jobs going, she'd put in a good word for me in my career, of course. Or things like that. I would have just never had those type of opportunities to extend myself without that position. So not only has it been um, an amazing personal um gain but I also feel like I've really had the opportunity to um give back to um you know all the students who ran the association before I did so um PHSA was founded like over 20 years ago or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's had a lot great. of presidents in its time. Yep. Um, and they've all done awesome stuff, like organised these events for me when I was in my first yeah. year and I went to them. Um, and it's really it's really provided me a, a platform to practice my skills. Like I said before, you learn so much content, frameworks, and you learn how to regurgitate it to an exam or to an assessor. But until you get out into the workplace, you don't really know how to put those into practice or what they actually look like and the PHSA has just given me that awesome opportunity to learn what it's like to work in the field we implement health promotion initiatives recently we were um planted out to look at um the sexual health of students on the campus and we ran like a big sexual health campaign where we um, ran workshops and seminars um we provided free um condoms and dams and different sexual health protective equipment for students for free had that been done before no never had been done before that's amazing yeah so we had the opportunity we partnered with like family planning victoria and thorn harbour and we sourced thousands and thousands of different um, sexual health protectants and we distributed them for free on the campus and um, that's ama- that's an amazing public health program that, um, you know, now I can go to an employer and say, 
while I know on your key selection criteria you ask for experience, while I've never been employed before, I've actually run my own sexual health campaign. Yep. So it kind of exactly. provides you with that opportunity to really build on um, your knowledge, put it into practice and just make really great connections. So if you can get involved in a club at uni and you can put yourself out there, I didn't do it until my third year and I wish I did it earlier because it's wow. been the best way to really get involved. And it's interesting you say that you didn't get involved until third year. What a lot of uni students typically do is in first year, they sign up to all these different clubs. And when I mean yeah. sign up, they'll just become like a subcommittee member or just like yeah, a general just member. Or yeah. yeah. And like, honestly, I recommend it. That's a great way. And then you might pick one club that really resonates with you or yeah. particularly relates to your degree. And yeah, then, exactly. and then you can take it from there, maybe move up to say in a club, there's different roles so someone will be like communications director yeah. someone will be like the treasurer mm. then like secretary yeah secretary whatever. president um yeah. and that's what I mean by like getting involved yeah, you help exactly. organize all the things yeah exactly so rather than just being a participant in those events you actually become part of a team that create those events as yeah. well which is so rewarding especially when you followed the association for a few years like I used to go to the PHSA events as a student um, and I got to see the ones that I really loved and the ones that, um, you know, had really good attendance and really made a good difference. And then when I got into president, then I was able to kind of replicate some of those things that I felt were really important for students in their first and second year when I'm in my third and fourth year. Yeah. yeah and kind of give back, be like, I got this when I was in first year and I want the first years that are to come to experience Exactly the knowledge right. that I've got pretty yeah, much. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's been great. I I um I feel like it's been one of the best parts of my uni degree so far. And it's been one of the most professional parts as well. I feel like, you know, again, you learn all this knowledge and you feel like you're you're just gonna be a student forever. Like you just know all this stuff as a student. But then when you get to put it into practice, you really see the value in your degree when you get to practice what you're learning in the classroom yeah. in real life. hundred percent. And now let's talk about your travel experiences. So you had two opportunities, one where you went to Samoa in 2018 and then Malaysia in 2019. Tell us a little bit about that. And I even know what you're going to say. You're going to recommend people to put themselves out there for travel opportunities, yeah. but tell me more. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I had two, I've had two opportunities in my degree, um, so far to travel overseas. And it again has been one of the best experiences of my uni degree. I think I didn't really think about traveling in uni when I was looking at unis, but some unis definitely offer more travel opportunities than others. Some really want their students to go overseas and give them lots of different opportunities and ways to go overseas, whereas some unis really don't do that. So um, I kind of wish I'd looked more into that, but I was really lucky that I picked Latrobe because they're really big on um, providing opportunities for their students to travel overseas. So um, yeah, like you mentioned, my two travel um, opportunities have both been through uni. Um, my first one was in 2018 when I travelled to Samoa. So um, I applied for a scholarship called the New Colombo Plan. Um, it's a really popular scholarship that's offered all over Australia for students to travel overseas. Um, and the reason why they give the scholarship out is because the Australian government wants to connect more with the Asia and the Pacific region. Yep. And one way, one way they can do that is through um, building connections between students and between students and institutions overseas. So they give out lots and lots of these scholarships every year for students to travel to the Asia Pacific. And it's not only at La Trobe. No. I know I know at Melbourne Uni, so I go mm -hmm. to Melbourne Uni, they they offer it there and at all pretty much all unis as well. 
yeah, exactly. Through through all public publicly funded unis, um, they offer New Colombo. Different. It depends on like what type of travel that that uni offers if they're eligible for how many scholarships per year. But yeah, there's a way to get that scholarship through um, pretty much all unis in Victoria. So yeah, I was lucky enough to get a New Colombo scholarship, and that gave me four thousand dollars to travel um with a program to Samoa. So um this Samoan trip was organised by my uni as what we call a work integrated learning subject, or that stands for Will at Latrobe. Um and Will at Latrobe's really big. They organise these work integrated learning trips every year, and they're all in different faculties. So um you know like the commerce faculty will organise a Will trip that um goes over to China and meets and gives their students, students their experience to internship with a really big accounting firm over yep. there or, or something like that. There's different um, trips organised every year um, and I had the opportunity to go on one to Samoa in 2018 with the New Colombo Scholarship and that was a three-week trip um, and the first week was sort of like fun. We got to travel and see the country, meet the people. Um, I went to the two regions in Samoa Um saw those like awesome waterfalls that kind of is the dream in the Pacific. There is beautiful beach France. There's lovely like, slept in those huts and all those type of things. Yep. Um, there was so much fun. And then in my second and third week, um, we came back and I started the internship. So I did an internship with um, this organization called WIBDI, Women in Business Development. Um, and they were an awesome non-government organization um, that uh, look at how to get women more engaged in business. So um, in Samoa, there's kind of this cultural issue that um, men, when they get to a working age, travel to um, Australia or New Zealand or America to work because they get more money yep. um, doing that. So that's why, you know, you'll see a lot of Asia Pacific people working, you know, on our banana farms or our apple farms or things like that, um, because there's special scholarships and grants that they come here and do that work and they get paid heaps of money. Um, but that leaves a really big issue in Samoa in that there's a lot of wives or mothers raising children and their husbands are not there for, you know, nine or 10 months of the year. So these men send money home in the form of remittances for their wives and their families, um, but the economy is not very self-sustaining. So because it's all outsourced to Australia and New Zealand and America, um, they don't really have a lot of their own infrastructure for their own economy. So um, we do really try and focus on how women can get more into business to build their own economy up as well. So um, when I was there... Um, they were just finalising a partnership with The Body Shop. Wow. Um, so um, The Body Shop is predominantly run out of the UK, but it's also run in Australia as well. Um, and Samoa were committing to be the biggest provider of coconut oil for The Body Shop. So obviously, you know, coconut wow. oil grows in a lot of, of course. body products. Creams. Yeah, exactly. Moisturisers. So... They, um, Samoa had just committed to being the biggest provider for their coconut oil and they were working with the body shop to set up rural families with the opportunity and the infrastructure that they need to make coconut oil. So obviously in Samoa, Pacific Island, they have coconuts everywhere. Yeah. Um, but they need these really expensive machines to process the coconuts and the coconut water into coconut oil. So um, this organisation, WIBDI, work with the body shop and a whole lot of other organisations to provide rural families with with um, these coconut oil machines so that they can work and make money um, and provide coconut oil to the body shop. So, that is very cool. Um, 
it was so cool. I got to travel all over the country and meet these families that were um, making and producing coconut oil and they were making so much money that their husbands and their dads no longer had to go overseas to make money wow. that they would make the body shop committed to buying whatever coconut oil Samoa could make. Yep. So they would never be rejected from income because they will always take their coconut oil. So the, they these families found a way to make so much money where they could stay together in their own country with their own families and make money. Um, so that was my internship there. I did a whole review of um, what they do and what they offer and I got to work with them for a few weeks. And then when I came back to Australia, I um, got to write up some recommendations for their practice and stuff like that. Um, and it was honestly just one of the best experiences and really highlighted to me because at that point I was, in, I was in my second year it really highlighted to me that I was studying the right thing, yep. that I was studying something that I loved. Um, and that kind of gave me the push that I needed in my second year. Cause you know, once you kind of get to your second year, you get a bit tired. Of course you're like, I've done it. Lag. I've done it before. What's happening yeah, this year? Same exactly, thing. Same thing, different day. Yeah. Um, but that kind of gave me the push along to be like, yeah, you know, this is what I want to work in. This is what I want to do. And once I finish my degree, I'll be able to work in this sector rather than just interning ship for, you know, doing internship for two weeks or three yeah. weeks or a year that I could permanently work and get paid to work in this kind of job. Um, so that was my first experience with travel. I, like I said, I got $4,000. I didn't pay for anything. My flights, my accommodation, the whole tour was organized for me. Yep. Travel insurance is offered by the uni when you travel for free. Um, the only thing I took along was spending money yep. um, and like a few dinners that I yeah, did myself but um, I went with other students from Latrobe as well so you know we would just go out and get dinner ourselves yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. things like that um, so that was such a great way to um, see a part of the world I never thought I'd go to um, and I love it there now I've been back since wow um, and I went and saw the ladies I did my internship that's with. so special it was so amazing and and I never thought that I would enjoy something like that, but I really grew a passion for the Pacific region and I've done heaps more study in that region since coming back from that trip as well. So, um, yeah, that was a great, great experience. And then you also mentioned I went to Malaysia, Malaysia yep. in 2019. And that, again, was another scholarship program that I got into. Mm -hmm. So um, I mentioned earlier that through the Vice Chancellor's program, I also got into the Hallmark yes. um, program and that offered lots of different experiences. So one day I was just sifting through all my emails that I hadn't read in about two weeks. Yeah, It's like that sometimes. Yeah, I saw this email um, from the... Hallmark program and they were saying that they had this opportunity for two students from Latrobe Hallmark program to travel overseas to Malaysia to attend the University Scholars Leadership Symposium run by the UN. Wow. So yeah, it was such a big opportunity. I'd actually applied for this before. I applied twice and I didn't get it. So I applied wow. in my first year and my second year and I didn't get it either year. Um, and then I saw it again and yeah, it's like a little bit of a hack of applying to scholarships because I've done quite a few, but you can use similar content. So, of course. you know, I've written the application twice. I kind of pulled things from both those applications and from my other applications that I had done before and kind of pulled it together to to submit this application. So it wasn't that much more work. Extra work, I'd yeah. Done, really, I probably spent like two or three hours on it. Um, but yeah, I applied again in my third year. That was like, yeah, that was last year. And and I finally got it. So Congratulations. You know, and it's I guess that's another thing as well, is that um, you know, you always hear about student successes in scholarships and stuff. 
but you don't always succeed. Sometimes you apply and There's you don't get it. There's plenty of setbacks. <laughs> but you know what? You're, you're a prime example of like keep trying. Yeah, That's exactly. okay. Yeah. No 100%. harm. No, exactly. And there's no harm. There was, you know, I had I had tried, I didn't get it. That's okay. Move on, find something else to try and apply for. So yeah, my third time, I was really lucky. Um, I got this scholarship. And again, there, so there was two of us that got chosen from La Trobe. I traveled with um, another boy that got chosen from a totally different degree. He was studying in um, like commerce and like marketing. Yeah. Um, so like we didn't have the same kind of background. Yeah. We never come across paths before. Um, but he was really awesome. Um, I got yeah, fully tra- fully paid for experience to Malaysia. So the conference was one and a half weeks um, in Kuala Lumpur. And I had the awesome opportunity of learning all about um, emerging leaders and different leadership programs that the UN were running to help, um, I guess, uh, overcome poverty in a lot of eight, like developing Asian regions. Um, and it was such a great place to meet people from all over the world. There's people there from like, I don't know, 120 countries or something. Um, and they had the opportunity to kind of, um, I had the opportunity to meet with them um, and to learn about different strategies that the UN are using to overcome poverty. So that was really awesome. Um, I, so obviously they paid the conference fees and like the flights and my accommodation and everything, but they also gave me the opportunity to have open-ended flights um, for that trip so I had the opportunity I it was my semester break before I went to Malaysia so I actually took three weeks I moved my flights three weeks earlier than the conference so that actually that I could do some of my own travel beforehand that's so so handy they still paid for my flight and everything even though it was three weeks before the conference I mean for the uni doesn't really matter if they fly you three weeks or three weeks before same 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 flight um so yeah they agreed to fly me three weeks earlier um and I did my own travel for three weeks um which was obviously I didn't get they didn't pay me for that I paid for myself of course um but that was really great as well. The first time I sort of travelled all by myself um, in a different country and that was really scary but really fun. An experience um, on its own as well. Yeah, exactly. So I travelled, I did two weeks in Borneo, um, which is kind of like a Malaysian and Indonesian shared little country um, and I did like a tour through there and spent a few days exploring myself um, and then I went to Penang, which is like a little island above Malaysia. It's kind of really well known for like that island kind of vibe yep. um so I went there and just had a few few days of like looking around there and like relaxing and meeting different people and then I flew back to KL um for the conference I did the conference and then I came home I missed a few weeks of uni so I was oh red bull <laughs> that's okay it was worth it because at the end yeah that was such a great experience to attend that conference and do my own travel there as well um it kind of gave me the excuse if you've got a free flight why wouldn't you just make it so that you could go enjoy yourself a bit more beforehand? So, um, yeah, I was really lucky to be able to go and do that as well. Um, but it really just shows that, yeah, you don't always get it the first time. You have to kind of push sometimes, apply for different things or um, apply again and again. And and the same person was interviewing each time I went for this scholarship. Wow. So she knew that I had a She's like, before. oh, Naomi, she's back again. She really wants to <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah. But it's true. Like you, you, you show that you actually are very keen to go and yeah. you want to do it. And maybe it was like the third chance was it aligned better with 
okay, you're a third year, you're a bit more mature, had more experience and under that's your exactly belt. Right. And that's probably why yeah. you got knocked back. I figured out afterwards that they never give it to first year kids. Yeah. Sorry, it's not a scholarship that it's not that they don't make it not eligible, but they have never really given that scholarship to first year kids before. So they've kind of like, you know, just kind of overcome that little bit. And they just kind of give it more to second and third year kids. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's definitely a really great way to um, make friends, to see the world and see the world for free too. And get outside your comfort zone because I know traveling by yourself can be so daunting for people who may have never stepped outside the oh, suburb or the scary. state. Yeah. I was so, so scared. I was like crying before I left because oh. I was so nervous to travel by myself, you know, in a country I'd never been to. The area where I went to in Borneo was pretty rough as well. So um, there was like, you know, not too many hotels really. Yeah. And you didn't really know kind of what you're getting into because there's no photos on the website or anything yep. like that. So I kind of booked it all a little bit blind. My family were a little bit worried about what I was going to do and stuff. But when I met a few people, I did a few day tour, which was really good in between. So I kind of met a few people and then we went off and once it finished and did our own kind of exploring and stuff. So, so you do have the opportunity to do that all. And like so many unis offer the opportunity to travel. Sometimes you have to pay for it. Like there's not always of the course. opportunity to get a scholarship. And I was so lucky too. There's some that might do partial scholarships. So, you know, they pay for just your airfares, but you have to pay for accommodation and like in-country costs. Um, or sometimes the other way around, they pay for all the in-country stuff, but you've got to pay for your flights. Um, if you're working and you're saving um, then that's the kind of things you should spend money on because you're never going to have the chance really that a university is going to offer to pay for two weeks of in-country experiences if you just have to pay yeah, for your flights. Um, so doing that kind of stuff is always really worth it as well. Definitely. And now that you're near the end of your degree, what are the next steps to work in your field? So what happens next once you graduate? So hopefully, if everything goes to plan, yep. I should graduate by July next year. Yep. Um, and that's super exciting because the double degrees do go for a little bit longer. So I've been studying now just at the end of my fourth year and I've still got a half a year to go. Um, so that will kind of be um, a bit of a relief. But of course, I'm obviously nervous. It's it's the same feeling as when I went from high school to uni as uni to finish. Yeah, it's like, what's next? Yeah, it's kind of like the fear of the unknown a little bit and the fear of like kind of leaving behind everything that I've known for the past four years. I've known for the past four years and I've gotten pretty good at being a uni student. Um, yeah. I've gotten pretty good at at managing work and study and life and extracurricular and now that sort of all changes again and it's kind of a new, um, you know, turning a page, new chapter in your life. Um, and you leave some friends behind as well. Like I've got friends that are still going to continue studying and that's going to be kind of a different life season for us. Um, moving into some people working, some people still studying. So yeah. it's kind of exactly like high school. Some people take gap years, some people work, some people go to uni. Um, Everyone's on their own journey. Yeah, exactly. It's, Everyone is on their own journey, 100%. So when I finish um, in July, I've kind of got two plans. I'm not sure which one I'll go with yet. Yep. Again, it depends how I kind of burnt out I am at the end. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I do want to study a little bit more at some point. So um, I am looking at like a master's that perhaps might extend my knowledge a little bit. Yep. But I'm also aware that I'm kind of ready to put some of my skills into a bit more practice and I'm kind of sick of writing essays and yep. sick of um, going to class and kind of hearing a bit of the same thing all the time that I'm kind of ready to work a little bit as well. So um, when I finish, I'm going to apply for jobs. If I get a full-time one that I love, then I'll just stick with it. I might have the opportunity to like study while I work with them or something like that. You never really know how it's going to play out. Like even as my dad pointed out to me the other day, 
if you start in a job and they're really loving you and they see like a good career progression in you, they might pay you to go to uni. Yeah, 100%. Which happens all the time. There's a lot of jobs where um, they'll require you to upskill or do a master's to stay in your position, but they're willing to fund some of it or they're willing to give you time off from your job to study. Um, so I don't want to kind of rule out those opportunities as well, just kind of by jumping the gun. And also, I guess, staying at uni is just a bit of comfortability as well, kind of avoiding the unknown a little bit just by keeping yeah. on going. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to apply for jobs and just see how it goes. If I don't end up finding something that I love, then I might just do some part-time work and do my master's while I do that. So kind of just balance the two. But yeah, I think I'm going to give a good job a crack first. Yep. Um, and then again, you always have the backup is to keep studying and, and just find some other casual or part-time work while I do that. So, Why not? Yeah. That's well, best right. of luck for that moving forward. Thanks. Um, t- we are almost finished, but I want to give some quick five out of five. So I've got five categories and I want you to rate them out of five. Yeah. So five is 10 out of 10, amazing, the best. Yeah. One, not so good. Okay. So just first thing that comes to your head. Cool. All right. Quality of tutors, lecturers, academics. Four. Yeah. I think because... They can always be a bit better and they can always support you a little bit more. Yeah. They can always know what you want. A lot of tutors are casual, so they also have their own jobs on the side. Yeah. So they can't always give you 100%. So I feel like if you went to a uni where all of those were five out of five, you'd be in a like, really great uni. Of course. So, yeah, they can always give you a little bit more. And, and you sometimes you have your duds that you don't really connect with, like some you just don't really connect with. In life, much. you've got your yeah. good and your bad. Yeah. I get it. that. Okay, workload. Uh, four. Okay, so... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. There's some times where I found it really hard. Like this semester I've only studied three subjects and that cool. has been really nice. Like yep. I felt like I've been less stressed studying three subjects, but for the majority of my degree I've studied four and those 12 weeks are a struggle. Like it's a lot to balance work and study at the same time and there's not really any way that you can make it better sometimes. You just have to push through it really. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, social life of your course. Right now, it would be a five. Okay. But if we're talking about like my first or second year, probably only a three. Okay. Why is that? Well, it just got better. Like once yeah. I made more friends and I joined the PHSA yeah. and I travelled and met more people, uni just became more fun rather than a chore. Whereas in my first year, because I was so anxious and I didn't have any friends, it was just like an anxiety-inducing car ride to get to uni and then yeah. have to sit in class. And um, I, felt like, I felt like I would never have a social life at uni. I kind of felt like that... If it's going to be like this for the next four years, I'm just going to do my study online and do my drive yeah, in and yep, just that's sit it. there and just finish and get out. Yeah. Um, but then now five because I've met amazing friends and amazing people and I've kind of immersed myself in in the social life of uni so it became better. Love it. And campus facilities. So like lecture theatres, libraries, restaurants, cafes, crepe places. I think a four. Yeah. Like they, they're like a literary has been amazing. They've um, been doing renovations all the way through my degree, and they're always kind of fixing things up. I guess like every uni, they get old over get old over time. Yeah. Um. You know, like if you look at Melbourne and Monash and some of those even older unis in Latrobe, some of their buildings are super old, but they're always improving them. And I think that's one thing you can't really fault with a lot of public unis in Victoria is they just have amazing facilities. Like they have things that other places in the world just don't have um so I think yeah Latrobe Library is awesome I use the library a lot um they've got brand new lecture theatres as well the classrooms are really great for um using technology now it's a massive thing being able to connect and see things on the screen and work on your laptops and the tutors being integrated with the technology as well so yeah they've been great cool and lastly how well your course has prepared you for your career 
Do you feel prepared? Yeah. I think my my answer before about what I'm going to do after my degree says a five. Yep. Because like I feel like I'm ready to go on and apply for jobs and see where it will take me. Whereas I feel like if it was only a three or a four, then I'd probably be, be moving more towards studying more because I felt yeah. unprepared. But because I think I'm ready to go into the career, I think that means I'm prepared. You're ready. <laughs> Definitely. And lastly, something you wish you knew when you were in year 11 or 12. Now this could be anything. What's one last thing? that you think if you had known this, it would make your life so much easier? Could be anything. If I had known something when I left school, it would have just been to try everything. Don't think about, don't think about things too much. If you kind of see something, just try it. If you want to travel, try it. If you want to swap courses, try it. If you don't like a subject, drop out of it and try something else. If you don't like a tutor, try and change to a different class. You know, if you meet a friend or someone in your class and you don't really find them very nice, just try again and meet someone else. Like, you know, if you land a casual job that you think you're going to love and you hate it, just quit and Get try rid of something it. else. Oh, um, exactly. Don't, I wish, I don't be I scared. I stayed in the job when in my first year that I hated for a whole year. And then when I quit, I didn't have a job for a while, which was hard, obviously. But I quit and then I found something else and I'm still in that job now. So, um, yeah, I feel like if it doesn't feel right for you and it's not fitting with your life at that point in time, quit it and try something else or just try and move somewhere else. I love it. That is such wise words of wisdom. Is that even the saying? I'm making it up. Who knows? Um, Wow. Naomi, everything we talked about today was so insightful. Thank you so much for joining. Um, Now, I don't know, I haven't asked you this before, but if any of our listeners want to connect with you on LinkedIn or anything, want to ask you anything, um, I'll put the link in like the show notes and you can click on. But yeah, Naomi is open to any questions, whether it's about Latrobe, whether it's about Bachelor of Arts, Bachelor of Public Health. I keep saying Bachelor of Public Health, but that's your major. Sorry, (laughs) (laughs) Bachelor of Health Science. Absolutely anything. Ask her anything because I know when I was in year 12, I had no one to ask. Yeah. No one. So, yeah, don't be afraid. Absolutely. I work with students all the time for my job. I'm used to answering the silly questions and there is no silly question. (laughs) Exactly. Well, thank you so much. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Anytime. If you like this episode or have any more questions, head over to our Instagram at the.studentspace. Now there is a full stop between the and student. And just remember this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not provide any personal advice. Thank you for all your support, everyone. See you later.